Praise God. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. We're going to start in the sixth verse in just a second, but I want to kind of take a moment and just set it up. You know, uh, there's so much that uh, we can learn from God's word, and I feel like we've had a great uh, first two services today, and I want to kind of see if I could package this all up and deliver to you right now. You know, uh, I had something happen to me this week where I uh, not just miscommunicated, but I didn't communicate. I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about, where you fail to communicate? You fail to talk. You fail to actually articulate what's in your mouth, take it and put it into words, and send the message. You know, we're real good at sending text messages. We can type it up and we can send that message, but there's a message that we need to have in our mouth that you have to send, that you have to send. You have to send it. You have to take it and you have to send it out. And so this past week I had something happen where I was planning to do something that I needed my wife to be involved in and I uh, failed to communicate. I failed to let her know that I needed her to be there, that I wanted her to be there, that I was even doing it. She didn't even know. I thought that I did. How many of y'all have ever done that? You thought that you communicated. In your head, you said it. In your head, you did it. In your head, but I never actually said it. I never actually put it out there. And so we got to that moment where we're there, and she's there, and I'm there, and she has no idea what's happening because I did not communicate it. I did not communicate it. I did not say what I needed her to do. I didn't tell her where I needed her to be. And, uh, you know, the same thing happens when we just text anybody. I do that. I text her and it's good to text her, but I'm so much more excited when she shows up and I get to hear her voice when I get to actually talk to her face to face. And I think the same thing happens with us and with our relationship with God. And I'm, I'm worried that we're even creating this kind of culture in our society where we're hid, hiding behind, you know, social media and text messages and all these things. And we're not really communicating very well. And when we're talking about believers and our confession as believers, that uh, what, what we, the power in our tongue or the power in our mouth, that we have to understand we cannot be silent. Like I did this past week, it was not good that I was silent. It is better that we have God's word in our mouth and that we speak it. It's better that we speak it, that we take God's word and we project it, that we actually testify, that we actually confess, that we don't miss the opportunity or miss the moment to speak God's word, to actually confess it. You know, there's different types of confession. There's, of course, in James, it says to confess your uh, faults one to another, and that's a type of confession. We confess Jesus as Lord, and we're going to see that in just a second in Romans chapter 10. But what I'm talking about is your faith confession. Your faith confession. Your confession that says, hey, I believe something in my mouth, and so therefore I speak it. Second Corinthians says, I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. I'm not speaking for any, you know, sometimes we just speak. Sometimes we just talk. We just run our mouth. We just go off and we just talk and we just talk and we just say, oh, well, oh man, I just, let me just tell you what's happening with me and this is happening and that is happening and I could just never and I will never and I can't ever and I don't see how I'm ever gonna and I don't believe that this is gonna happen and I just, I never have enough money and we say these things and we confess these things. You know, when you do that, you're confessing and you're actually beginning to believe what you're saying that what comes out of your mouth, you're going to begin to believe. Let me show you. In Romans chapter 10, we're starting in the verse, or excuse me, in the sixth, 
verse, it says this. It says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. And it goes on to give some examples of the way we speak. But then in verse 8, it clarifies. It says, so what does it say? In other words, what does the righteousness of faith say? It is, the word is near you. The King James Version says, the word is nigh thee. The word is nigh thee. What does that mean? The word is near you. Where is it near? Where is it? Where is your word of faith? It is in your mouth and in your heart. It is in your mouth and in your heart. I want you all to say that when we say it's in your heart and in your mouth. See, it's in your heart and in your mouth. It's in your heart, but it can't just only be in your heart, Sumter. It can't just only be in your heart, Georgetown. It can't only be in your heart, Columbia. It can't only be in your heart, Florence. It's got to also be in your mouth. It's got to also be in your mouth. It's got to be something that you take and, and you, 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 you believe it. And so therefore, I confess it. Because in verse 9, we see there it says that if you confess with your mouth. Well, this is talking about being saved. This is our salvation. This is how we, we, we go from being a non-believer to a believer. But it's not just believing. It's confessing. Look what it says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means you have to believe that he came to the earth. You have to believe that he died. And you have to believe that he saved you from your sins. You have to believe that. But what else do you have to do beyond believing? Say it with me. Say you got to speak it. See, you have to speak it. You have to confess it. It has to, to, to come out of your mouth. It's not just something that, that, I, that I believe that I, that I wrote down one time that I heard about that I'm like, oh, oh, this is really good. How many of y'all got that? You're like, oh, man. Oh, man, that was a good word. And then you just forget about it. Then you just leave it. See, like if you take a seed and you, I studied horticulture at Clemson. I studied this. I studied the science behind it, how it works, why it works, all that. And you know, there are, there are scientists all over the world that do not understand exactly how a tree grows. They don't know. They could tell you chlorophyll and they could tell you cation exchange and they could tell you the roots and they could tell you the water and they could tell you what's happening but not why or what makes it or what causes it to happen. Because if you look at Mark chapter 4, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows seed. And he casts his seed out, and what happens? He waits and he sleeps, and while after he plants his seed, God causes it to grow. When you speak God's word, you're taking his word, you're taking his word and you're planting it. And if you're not planting God's word, I'm asking you this morning, what are you planting? Because every time you speak something, you're planting. Every time you move your mouth, every time something comes out, you're taking a seed and you're putting it in the ground. You're putting it, you're planting it. You're, 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 you're saying, oh, 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 well, let me just tell you how bad of a week I had. What, do you want next week to be bad too? Do you, do you want tomorrow to be bad? Because see, I, don't, I just don't confess that. I, 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 let me tell you what I do. I have moments. Anybody else have moments? I have a moment. But I do not allow myself to stay in the moment. I don't stay in the moment. It's a moment. And I purposefully call it that. Because a moment is a moment. 
It comes and it goes. I have a moment. I have a moment where I was frustrated. I have a moment where I said something, D-U-M-B. That's a quarter word. I said it in the first service. I'm sorry. I said it. But we say these things and then you, you wish you could just get it back. Oh, 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 and it's coming out of your mouth and you wish you could just grab it, pull it back in and say, ah. Well, you know what you do? You say, God, forgive me. And then that moment passes. And in the next moment, you begin confessing God's word. You begin saying, you know what? I may not have anything right now, but by Jesus, I'm telling you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And tomorrow I'm going to have enough. And the next day I'm going to have enough. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And you begin to confess God's word. And you begin to confess God's word. And, and, and it, you know, when you confess it, it gets back in your heart. And then it comes out of your heart and it comes back. Because as you confess it, you hear it and it goes back in. And it's a cycle that happens. And you're confessing and you're saying, you know what? Devil, I know you're attacking me today. But the Bible says that no weapon forms against me shall prosper. So you can form it. You can form it. You can try to poke me. You can try to prod me. You can try to get me. But I'm not going to say anything dumb today. That was me last year. See, see, when you get saved, your conversation should change. Your voice should change. Your wording should change. You should sound a little different. You should talk a little different. You should have something about you that's a little bit different where they say, man, that's just not the old you. No, it's not. Some of us slip back. We let people pull us back down into the old us. They pull us back down. They pull us back down and we start talking like we did a few years ago. No, no, I'm not me a few years ago. I've got somewhere higher. I've got somewhere further. I've got somewhere where God's taking me. And it doesn't matter where I've been. I'm not talking my past. I'm not praising my past. I'm not praising my problems. I'm confessing the future. I'm confessing God's hope. I'm confessing his word. God is his word. In John chapter 1 we see that in the beginning was the Word. The Word became flesh. It dwelt among us. God put the Word in Jesus and sent him to the earth. What else did God do with his Word? In Genesis chapter 1, we see that God said. Genesis 1-3, God said. We go on verse after verse, and God said, and God spoke, and God said, and God spoke. And then down in verse 20 or so, somewhere down there, it says, and God created. Well, how did God create? Hebrews 11 tells us that it's by faith that God spoke and he calls the very world we live in to come to fruition. How? By his words. Because they weren't just in his heart. It wasn't just that he, no, he spoke it. It came out of his mouth and he spoke the world into existence. When you speak, you've you've got to arm yourself with the word. You've got to confess the word. You need to catch yourself. You need to be like a, 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 um, a have a, like a, a, a guardianship around your mouth. Like a filter system. You know, they create these filter systems like in fish tanks and in stuff like that. You know why they do that? My, my refrigerator, I really wanted a refrigerator with a water filter. I don't know why. Now that I have it, I mean, it's pretty cool, but it's not all that. But I have the, the water thing on the front of it. But a few months have gone by, and now there's a little red light on there. And the little red light is indicating that the filter needs to be replaced. Well, why is there a filter? Because in the water system, there is stuff that would contaminate my body and my children's body. And the filter goes in and removes and says, no, we're not going to do that. 
No, we're not going to have that in the water. No, that's not going to go in there. And when you are saying stuff, you've got to filter your mouth. And, and you, some people say, oh, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can help what you say. You can help what you speak. You can take and control. The Bible says to take hold of it, take every thought captive. It says to bridle your tongue, that you can take your tongue and you can control it. And now let me tell you something. God would not tell you to do something if you couldn't do it. You can do it. You can do it. Let me give you some more scripture here. Let me help you out here. When you, because when you take God's word and you speak it, you activate your faith. Psalms 107.20 says this, Psalms 107.20. It says that he sent the word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. See, check out what the word does when it's sent. This is what the word does when it's sent. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and delivered them. See, some of you have got some problems and some issues and some situations and you need to send some word. You need to send some word. You need to send some word. You need to get some word and send it. And you're wondering why the situation is still there. And you're wondering why the problem is still there. And why is the mountain still there? Because Mark 11 says that you've got to speak to the mountain and tell it to be gone. And tell it to get out of the way. And you need to speak. You need to speak. You need to get your mouth moving. You need to get your lips moving. You say, oh, well, I feel embarrassed. I feel, I don't know. I've never, I've never done that before. I, I grew up hearing that those, man, those blabbit grabbit churches are, Wait, what's wrong with a blab it, grab it church? That's the Bible. The Bible says you will have whatever you say. It says you will have whatever you say. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, he will have whatever he says. He, what y'all say that women say? He will have whatever he says. You got to be saying something. You need to be saying so. You need to have a word in your mouth and a word in your tongue. You need to have it, and you need to move your lips. If you want to move a mountain, move your lips. Oh, that's good right there. If you want to move a mountain, move your lips. If you want to move a mountain, move your tongue. But what am I moving it with? The word. The word. The word. The word is near me. The word is nigh thee, even in my mouth. I want to give you seven points. Seven things that happen when you declare God's word. Seven things that happen when you declare God's, God's word. Because, see, I believe this. A man of God that had written a book on one of these topics, he said this. He said that God spoke to him and said, I have told my people they can have whatever they say, but they're saying what they have. In other words, you're saying what you have instead of having what you say. See, if you would change your saying... If you would change what you're speaking, see, some of us are afraid to evaluate my, my speaking. Well, it's, like, it's like we're afraid to evaluate, afraid to, 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 to use that filter and say, you know what, I, I need to change how I'm talking. I mean, okay, I stopped cussing a few years ago. Well, that's good. That's the first step. Praise God. But, but are you confessing God's word? Are you confessing faith? See, you may not have a potty mouth anymore, but your mouth's still dirty because you're, not, you're confessing negativity. You're confessing what the, 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 the devil would want you to say or what the world would want you to say. You've got to have God's word in your mouth. You've got to have a little preach come on you every once in a while. That when you start, when you start getting pushed and you start getting pressed, you're like a, a tube of toothpaste. When it gets squeezed, what comes out? Toothpaste. 
Why? Because toothpaste is in it. And so when you get the word in you and you begin getting pressed and squeezed, you get in there and you say, no, 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 no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Oh, no, 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 sir. I see you coming at me, devil, but you don't mess with the wrong dude today. You got to get a little attitude. Why? Like, well, that doesn't sound very Christian. That doesn't sound very Christ-like. I'm not sure if I can have an attitude where you better get one. Because I guarantee you the devil's got one. The Bible says he comes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to devour you. You best believe he's got an attitude. You best believe he's coming at you. And you better come at him and say, no, oh, oh, I got a word for you. See, when Jesus got tempted, he told the devil, it is written. It is written. Let me tell you what the word actually says, devil. Because the devil will come at you and he'll try to twist. He'll try to show you things. That's what he did to Eve. He came to her and he twisted the word. He said, well, God said, and she believed it. See, she got a twisted belief, and then she said, oh, well, must not be that bad. Then she opened her mouth and told her husband, hey, bro, come try this stuff right here. It's really good. See, the devil will twist it. You've got to know the word, and you've got to have the word inside of you so that when you get press. See, my, my girls, this, this oh, it was two weeks ago now, they got some juice boxes. And I do not know why on God's green earth they fill these juice boxes the way they fill them up. But they've decided that the best way to fill a juice box is 115% full. Overflowing, man. They must be believers. They must be godly people that make these juice boxes. Press down, shaking together and running over. And then they put that little straw on the front of it. And they say, okay, now give this to your children. I'm like, well, this is a great idea. Apparently, my wife had been, you know, used to the juice box activities. I had not. So I was unaware of what to do with the juice box. And so a couple weeks ago, they get these juice boxes, and they're ecstatic because they've got juice boxes. Well, I take the straw out, and as soon as I punch it in the 110% full juice box, boom, juice everywhere. Well, now i got a juice explosion all over my clothes, praise God. And now what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to give it to my screaming child who wants this juice box. Give me, oh, 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 I want the juice box, I want the juice box. Got to ask It's like they had never drinking a drop of anything in their life. Like they're dying of thirst. And they're only going to be sufficed by this juice box. So what do I do? I give them the juice box. And I try to tell them don't squeeze it. I try to tell them don't squeeze it. Well, what do they do? They grab their hands and they... Like, why don't they make it hard? Why would they not make it where you could just, you know, hold it and then not squeeze stuff out? But sure enough, juice all over me, juice all over her, juice all over the floor. I mean, 95%, they only could drink 5% of it because every, every, all the juice went out on the floor. You're like a juice box. And when you get squeezed, you better have some word to come out. And see, devil, you can squeeze me all you want, but I can tell you what's going to come out. It's going to come out the holy living word. It's going to come real fun. The Bible says that out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. And I can tell you, you can squeeze me all you want, but let me tell you what's going to come out. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I just began confessing God's word. A few weeks ago, I got squeezed. The the, the devil tried to take my voice away. Well, I'm a preacher. I got to preach. And I was driving, I just dropped my girls off at school, could barely talk, and I'm driving down the road, and I don't care how I looked. 
I, I'm sure if somebody saw me through the window, they might have thought I was crazy, but I grabbed my throat. And I began confessing over my body. I began speaking to my body. I began speaking to my voice. Why? Because that was the only way I was going to combat it. I told the devil, I'm going to preach on Sunday. You can attack my body all you want. I know it's my fault that I wore myself out and I'm tired. But God said that he'll make things right and he'll rectify my wrongs. And I'm telling you right now, by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. I curse this sickness. I command it to leave my body. I will not be sick. See, I could have gotten worse. I don't know what it was. I never once had a fever, never once had a symptom, never once had any of that because I cursed the sickness. I dealt with the repercussions of my voice, but I'll tell you what I did on Sunday, March 7th. I preached a good word. Because I told God, I wasn't going to, I wasn't, I mean, I told God and the devil, I'm going to preach. I confessed his word. Here's seven things that happen when you confess God's word. Seven things that happen when you confess God's word. Number one, you sow seeds of God's word. Number one, you sow seeds of God's word. If you'll put up, put up Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is, is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and he should sleep by night. By, and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. I want to clarify to everyone listening to me. God will not sow your seed. You sow your seed. You sow God's word. And you're either sowing something else, you're either sowing some other garbage, you're either sowing the devil's lies, you're either sowing something else you shouldn't be saying, or you can choose to sow God's word. Proverbs tells us there's death and there's life in the power of your tongue. You choose. You choose what you're going to say. You've got to edit yourself. You've got to fix yourself. You've got to say, no, no, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to confess that anymore. I'm hurting myself every time I say that. I'm hurting my confession every time I say that. I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to speak that anymore. I'm going to confess God's word. Because every time you do, you're sowing the seeds of God's word. Number two, it builds your faith. We know from Romans 10, and we can start in verse 14, it says, how then shall they call on him? In other words, call on Jesus in whom they have believed or have not believed. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? See, they have to hear. And how shall they hear without a preacher? God's word has to be sent. God's word has to be sent forth. Why? Look at verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. We know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you speak God's word, you're building your faith. Because you're confessing the word instead of confessing the situation. You're confessing the word instead of confessing the mountain. I tell you, if you would just, if you would just speak to the mountain, or excuse me, speak to the molehill. See, some of us make a molehill into a mountain. We want to make that, I mean, man, you've never seen a molehill like my molehill. Let me tell you something. This little problem I've got is the biggest situation I've ever seen in my life. And we want to tell everybody about our molehill. Like it's a badge of honor. Like, man, let me tell you how bad my life is. Let me tell you, shh, be quiet. I almost said another quarter word. Be quiet. Hush your mouth. Speak God's word. 
See, if you would learn to speak to the molehill, God wouldn't have to move the mountain. But you make a molehill into a mountain by magnifying it. By, instead of magnifying God, instead of magnifying the solution, instead of praising the one who has the answer, we praise the problem. Start having, stop having a party with your problems. Stop praising your problems. Number three, it renews the mind to the word of God. Your mind did not get saved. Your spirit did. Your mind did not get renewed. Your mind did not get renewed. When you got saved, your mind, did not, your mind was the same before. What changed? Your spirit man. On the inside of you, the Bible says that behold, all things become new. What does that mean? You on the inside, your spirit man was made new. Your spirit man was recreated. Why is that important? Because your spirit man is the real you. And your mouth can either speak what's up here. Or you can speak what's in here. You've got to speak what's in your heart. You've got to speak what's in your heart. Not what's in your mind. Not what you're hearing. See, you've got to renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you confess God's word, you're, you're conforming your mind to his word. Your mind begins to go, okay, okay, I get this. I know I was raised this way, but now I see God's way. I know I heard this thing, but now I see God's way. I know I once believed such and such, but now I see this. And you begin to understand and, 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 and fathom, and your mind begins to shape into what God wants it to be. You've got to renew your mind. Number four, I love this. I love this. Number four, it keeps the answer in front of you. It keeps the answer in front of you. You've got to keep your answer in front of you, not the problem. You've got to keep the answer in front of you. Look at Philippians 4, chapter 6, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Well, how does that come? By being anxious for nothing. When you confess God's word, instead of the problem being in front of you, you're putting the solution out there. Because see, every, every scripture that I've quoted in all three of these services this morning, not one of them has a problem in it. God's word, God's word is never void of power. It's only rendered powerless when you don't speak it. His word is full of power. It is full. He is his word and his word is full of power. When you speak his word, you're taking it and you're putting it in a slingshot. You're arming it and you're firing it. And if you want to fire something at the devil, Ephesians 6 says the word is the sword of the spirit. If you want to use a weapon, use the word. If you wish you had a weapon, man, I wish I had something to fight against the devil. I just wish I had something. You do, it's in your mouth. It's in your mouth. You got to get the word in there and you got to speak it. Keep the answer in front of you. Philippians chapter 4, that's what we just read, tells us if we go on, whatever things are true, this is verse Eight, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
Good report. If there's anything of virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think and meditate on these things. That's what you should be. That's what you should be speaking. That's what you should be saying. Don't keep the problem. Stop rehearsing your problem. Stop repeating your problem. Stop regurgitating your problem. Okay, I get it. You had a bad day. You had a bad thing happen. But God is for you. He's not against you. He's on your side. If you'll just take his word and get it in your mouth and say, you know what? I had a moment, but bless God, I'm moving forward. I'm going past this thing. I'm going over this thing. I'm going beyond this thing. He's got something for me. He's got something. Get it in your heart and speak it out of your mouth. Number five, it affects your heart. When you speak God's word, it affects your heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. See, they've got to be not just in your eyes, not just red, but they've got to drop down into your heart. For they are life. Say that when we say they are life. God's words are life. They are life to those that find them, and they are health. See, the Bible, uh, the, the footnotes say medicine to your flesh. God's word, when you speak it, is like medicine. I'm not telling you to not take other medicine, but as I take medicine, I say that I've got the best medicine. And I begin to confess God's word. In Isaiah, it says, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I can take an ibuprofen, but when I take it, I'm healed. Wait a second, you say that with with the headache? Yes, with the headache, I confess I'm healed. Why? Because I don't want to have a headache tomorrow. I don't want to have a headache an hour from now. I want the headache gone. God does not want me to have a headache. God does not want me to have knee pain. God does not want me to have back pain. God does not want me to have an empty bank account. God does not want me to be sick. God does not want me to be depressed. God does not want me to have mental health issues. See, mental health is an attack of the enemy. He wants you to believe you have to be depressed. I don't care what a doctor tells me. That may be one report, but I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you're depressed out there today, you're fighting and battling depression, confess that over your life every day. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And confess it and speak it until you see it. Stop confessing the problem and confess the answer. Out of your heart flow the the forces or the issues of life. Number six, it sets faith in motion. We know that we've, of course, read, and I mentioned this earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you confess God's word, it sets faith in motion. It, it starts moving it. You can't steer a parked car. You've got to get the car moving. You've got to get moving. You've got to keep the answer in front of you. You've got to keep going where God's sending you to. How are you going to do that? You're going to confess it. Not where I'm at today, but where I'm going. Where are you going? Wherever God leads me. Wherever his word tells me that I'm supposed to go. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, it doesn't matter how I feel. God said that I can feel better. It doesn't matter what I think. God said I can think better. Number seven, I love this. It widens, it enlarges your boundaries. See, your belief system, what you believe, 
is going to come out of your mouth. So if you begin to believe more and greater and higher and confess that, it enlarges your capacity. And you begin to say, oh, I can do that. And so, and so I'm standing back here and I'm going, man, I'm trying to make it there. And, and right now my boundary is right in front of me, but I'm going to start confessing out there. I'm going to start confessing, oh man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do more. I can get a pay raise. I can get a job they told me I cannot get. I can do something they said I cannot get. And I begin, because of my confession, I push, I push past this block. I push past this thing. And then now my boundary is enlarged. And I begin to enlarge my territory. God did that with Abraham. He took him and he showed him and he said, look, as far as you see, as far as you see, He showed him the sands of the earth. He said, as many as the stars and the sands. He said, listen, I've got generations upon generations. He changed his name to the father of many nations. Why? So that every time he spoke, he confessed the vision that God gave him. God enlarged his boundary, enlarged his territory. Change the way you speak and watch God enlarge your territory, enlarge your boundary. If you're watching this message today or you're here in this room and you want to live a life of faith like this, it starts with where I started in Romans 10. That you confess the Lord, you confess Jesus as Lord of your life. That you confess and you believe, but not just believe, but you open your mouth and confess. I want to do that with you today. I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you. I want to Take a moment and have you pray with me and say this prayer after me because in order for you to be saved, the Bible says you have to believe and you have to confess. I want you to do that with me. If you're in this room, I want you guys to say this with me, repeat after me and those watching online. Maybe you're watching this message days or even months from now and you say, man, I want that. I want that relationship with God. I want to change the way I'm talking. I can't keep going the way I'm going. Start by confessing Jesus is Lord. And then every day from now, confess his word. Let's pray together. Bow your head, close your eyes, and pray this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that Jesus came to this earth as a baby. He lived as a man. He died on the cross. His blood shed for my sins. I believe that on the third day, he rose from the grave, that he's alive today. He's seated in heaven with you at your right side. I confess and make him number one in my life, the Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you for saving me, for cleansing me of all my unrighteousness, for forgiving me of all my sins. Today is a new day. The old man is gone. The past is gone. And I focus on you with Jesus as my number one. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.